self-care crossed with dark humor dark humor therapy yeah let's play top top trumps of trauma wow can i not say that <laughs> top trumps of trauma yeah <laughs> i mean you've got to laugh haven't you you've got to laugh don't laugh you cry how nice could it be right if we could sell nice jumpers to our people so they can feel safe oh i'd love that could our jumpers become people's safety resources yeah safe in their slogans yes i love a slogan right it's all going down this i'm gonna a a jumper saying this is my safety resource (laughs) (laughs) um i oh my god i feel like we should have something like don't disrupt my jellyfish today Today is not the day. Yeah. Leave my jellyfish alone. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot here. Yes. Can I, I share this? Have we all got iPhones? Yes. Can we oh share notes? Yeah, I've shared it. Don't ask me how I did it. Because I don't know. But I've shared notes with... I think you shared, I've shared notes with me. Yeah. Why? Why? Da la la. Hello everyone and welcome to the Trauma Healing Queens podcast. I'm Bianca. I'm Rose. And I'm Tyra. And we are three trauma-informed coaches looking to help you explore the depths of healing, growth and empowerment. So whether you're a survivor, a supporter or someone simply seeking understanding, join us on this journey towards unveiling the resilience within us all. Hello and welcome back everyone. So episode two, episode two, it was a lot, lot more of a calmer energy, right? We were very, very excited last time. I <laughs> certainly was. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the first 10 seconds, <laughs> then you can feel it. Um, but today we are going to be discussing the importance of safety in this journey. So it's going to be a really important tool that we would like you to kind of have with you, even when you're listening to this podcast, it gets you into good practice. But it's something um, that all of us as coaches really promote when it comes to our clients as well. We cannot heal unless we feel safe. And so we're going to kind of talk through some potential resources that you can use, um, our own experience, um, and just generally the importance of being safe in your journey so i mean let's let's kick off let's kick off with okay so to you guys why is it so important that our clients feel safe on their journeys for me like safety is the opposite of trauma Mm -hmm. right so trauma has come from a place where there was a lot of fear you didn't feel safe when those trauma imprints were left in your body For you to go back and be able to complete those feeling loops, you need to feel safe. Like your nervous system needs to feel safe for you to be able to do that. So for me, like feeling safe is the number one thing. If you don't feel safe, your body won't actually allow you to heal anyway. So we're going to be talking about this, but what you'll probably find is there will be some resistance you'll notice resistance actually and that can be because you haven't got any safety resources in place so to me yeah safety is like the opposite of fear Mm. and when Mm. you when your nervous system feels safe it can like 
it can be the exhale if you're thinking about the jellyfish coming into that like relax right and that's when you feel safe that's what happens to your nervous system and then just think then you can start processing those undigested stress loops and that's when the trauma healing happens yeah you cannot I I think it's so important because you cannot and will not heal if you don't feel safe there's always like B was saying there's always going to be that resistance there and I think what people don't really realize is actually how common it is to feel unsafe you know and you might relate to this um if you like something I hear from my clients all the time is they're like I just I can't relax it's like they've always there's something always bubbling at the surface always and they're like I do the relaxing stuff you know I sit and I watch tv and I go out on walks and I, I do the stuff, but I, I just can't relax. And that's because like cognitively you can kind of go, yeah, you're like, of course I'm safe. I'm sat in my living room, got the TV on, I've got a cup of tea. I'm safe. But your body is like, no, no, no. It keeps the receipts. Your body Ooh. keeps the receipts. Yeah. It remembers, right? And I think as well, something that came up in the first episode was, you know, when we were saying like, what even is trauma? And we discussed how it's not necessarily this big event. It's the smaller stuff too. So when we talk about safety, you know, this could come about from, it, it, can, it can be learned if your parents were unable to regulate their emotions and you felt uneasy at times, that is enough for your body to feel unsafe and to feel stressed. And like B was saying of that, those feeling loops kind of weren't completed. You know, that is going to sit with you. That is going to stay with you. The receipts, the body keeps them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the bo- body gives you away, right? Yeah. The body oh, gives yeah. you away every single time. I think that was one of my biggest lessons when I was in therapy, which was, you know, I'm sat there, absolutely, you know, my I've got my legs crossed, I'm chatting away. And, you know, the therapist brings something up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm completely cool with that. And like, my foot is bouncing. <laughs> and she is like, are you sure about that, Rose? And I was like, oh, damn it, leg, like, damn it, foot, like, you know. And then I remember even like the next uh, session being like, right, I'm very conscious now of my legs and my foot. And I'm like, <laughs> everything still. Yeah, yeah, just everything. <laughs> and you better believe my arms were waving around all over the place when it got brought up. Right. It's giving um Ross from Friends like it's fine. <laughs> Margaritas it's fine. always, always. <laughs> but I do think it's you know the body does keep the score, right? I mean, there's the the book, right? I can't remember the author. Um, but I think this is where again we're inviting compassion in because the body is actually trying to help. Right, the body is doing what it's doing. The nervous system is doing what it's supposed to do, and so we invite the compassion in, but. You know, everything that Bianca and Tyra just said there, you know, I love a metaphor, right? And you might have experienced this yourself. But when you feel like you're constantly trying to charge forward, it's like someone's got the scruff of your neck and pulling you back. That is because we don't feel safe. Mm. Something within you does not feel safe and it's keeping you close. It doesn't want to let you go near this unsafe thing right? It's just doing what it needs to do. The other metaphor um, that I've heard is it's like you've got your foot 
on the on the accelerator on the gas <laughs> on the accelerator wheels are spinning tires spinning but you're going nowhere because your handbrake's on that's when mm. you feel unsafe your handbrake is on because it's like hell no we're not going anywhere that we don't feel unsafe and I think when it comes to you know working with clients but also like our own personal journeys we don't see any shifts until that client has explored safety right we don't see any changes or shifts until that client feels safe sometimes that's the removal of shame and guilt around what what they're experiencing uh sometimes it's then actually no this isn't even true so we, we remove the energy in that way but yeah until safety is present and part of your process you're gonna go nowhere yeah, safety first, guys. Safety first. Safety first. Uh, yeah, safety I was first. trying to think how, like, feeling unsafe in your body, like, how it shows up for my clients is that they don't feel okay in the present moment. Mm. Right? So there's this constant need to be somewhere else than here, which means that you are, well, you're living from a place of protection and survival, like you just said, Rose. Um and until you start feeling safe in your body, it's never going to be okay to be in this moment, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I've got I've got a few clients at the start that's kind of the common, like that's kind of how it shows up. Yeah. There's a need to be like always doing. I definitely always feel like always not doing and yeah. always multitasking as well. Yeah. That's something like, you mm-hmm. all of these, all yeah. of these distractions going on, anything that can help take. And I guess you can see that as almost like a bit of a craving to be somewhere other than where they are now because yeah. their body is trying to keep them safe because it doesn't want to feel the stuff because their nervous system mm. doesn't know that they are safe yet because their nervous system is still stuck in the past, right? Yeah. So I think I've said before as well, like it's not trauma isn't over until your nervous system says it's over. Yeah, This is where we really need to start connecting you you know, from living from your neck up to like living in your whole body. And this happens with safety, like safety first. Mm. And something I've written down here um, that I heard on a podcast is safety isn't just the absence of threat. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's not, right? Safety is something that it might be something that you can feel in your body, right? It might be like a body part that feels safe. It might be a memory of like a grandparent or a grandparent's house or it might be even like a a smell of something that makes you feel safe right it's not like safety doesn't have to be a place like it can be within your body yeah Um, I think definitely we'll come back to kind of uh different types of safety resources you can have but i think it's really a really good point to kind of showcase how it turns up for you so you know for example when i hear clients say well i can't do that um i can't do that someone told me ages ago i couldn't do it it's things like oh i can't wear that oh i shouldn't be doing that it's a very like restrictive voice. And we often call them kind of like our inner critics. Maybe we even use the phrase self-sabotaging voices. But yeah. this is where we can kind of go, ah, oh, okay, hello. Ah, I'm feeling unsafe. And so when we have that, 
you know, it is very important to have a little bit of like a, a, I always call it like a beacon system. So what's your kind of first sign that maybe we're feeling a bit unsafe and what can we put into practice to help us feel safe? Because if we come back to our nervous system, when we are feeling unsafe, I take that as you are either in fight or flight or freeze or fawn. The Mm -hmm. jellyfish is contracted. It's got its little Mm -hmm. rubber band around Mm -hmm. it. But when we feel safe, jellyfish is relaxed, it's flowing. We are not in fight or flight. We're not in freeze or, or fawn. So again, like how, how is it showing up for you? What are your little markers of when you feel unsafe? Is it a physical reaction? Is it the things you're thinking and saying? How does it turn out for you? It's a really kind of good part to explore. Yeah, I think so often clients don't know that they're not safe until you talk to them about this stuff. Bring and awareness. You know, love awareness. Bringing in awareness, right? Um, it just makes me so sad. Like I've had such so many clients. Like I don't think I've ever felt safe my whole life. Mm. Like, wow. You know what? There's a question um, that you can ask yourself as well. The question is: Do you feel that the world is a dangerous place? And is your answer a reflection of how you feel in your body? Oof. Mm-hmm. Damn. Good question, right? Big question, isn't it? It's, and you know, again, it's just these little check-ins with yourself that can really bring the awareness. What I think could be really helpful at this point as well is also talking about why. Why may we not feel safe in our bodies? So... Maybe it's things like, um, oh, pain, right? This is something I wanted to bring up. If your body is in pain, I know from personal experience when I've been injured, doing a body scan is so hard, Mm. so hard. I cannot get into my body. The pain is too much. And then actually what you do is you kind of disconnect from it a little bit. When you disconnect, you don't trust it. When you don't trust it, you don't feel safe as well as I should also stress undigested trauma right (laughs) like that's gonna make you feel unsafe yeah and I think a massive one um that is so so rife is um comparison to other people's journeys right so trying to get that external validation I mean hello look at this is what diet culture is uh is built on right it's making you feel insecure i i would go as far as it's not even diet culture i would say like the whole beauty industry the patriarchy i was gonna say (laughs) absolutely (laughs) patriarchy we as women are constantly made to feel unsafe in our bodies because we are never our bodies are never enough they are never thin enough our butts are never big enough our abs are never prominent enough um our skin is never clear enough then we don't have enough freckles and then you know it's like how many trends are there um that we have to try keep up and you know that's how the heck do you cultivate safety when you are being told like there's something wrong with you oh this isn't right Mm. how do you cultivate I mean you can but like if if this is something that you're struggling with it's okay because look at all this external pressure um and i think when you give into that pressure and then you're constantly trying to fit into this perfect whatever the hell that is perfect mold of something mm. 
you know, you, you I, I think this is where it, it starts with yourself, right? That acceptance of yourself, being okay with who you are. Because if, if, if you're constantly, you can't find that acceptance if you're constantly striving to fit every single, <laughs> every single mold <laughs> it's supposed to be. Yeah. You yeah, don't trust I, yourself, do you? No. The, the trust is gone. And I think so often, you know, we're trying to you know, live up to these expectations and then you put, you know, undigested trauma on top of that. We're not showing up as our authentic selves anyway. So this sort of stuff just takes us even further away from feeling safe, right? And I, and carrying on from what you said there, Tyra, there's, you know, for women that have had babies, for people that have had operations, for even just, you know, um, teenagers going through puberty, like there is so much going on in your body that can really make you feel not safe because there's like, there's change, right? And you haven't got, if you haven't got safety anchors, it can be a bit like, oh, what's going on that on top of like not being able to manage your emotions because your parents were kind of emotionally like you know repressed like the whole world is right Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't feel safe in your body um so you're not on your own with that that's what we want to tell you like there's not actually that many people that do feel safe and I think our purpose I'm going to go in with this now is to really like what I want for people is for them to be for them to feel safe to be them now in their bodies right now oh yeah right to be able to live a more embodied life and you can't do that unless you feel safe oh safety safety you brought up a point that I think is so important to recognize as well and that's you know if growing up in a house where maybe your parents haven't been able to regulate I don't know if you guys have ever seen I talk about this experiment all the time so I find it fascinating but also very disturbing um but have you heard of the still face experiment oh no so it's basically um a mother and her baby and the baby was like oh like young like a very very young baby maybe like no older than like six months and the baby was kind of sat in its um uh well the high chair things um and the mum was it was the 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 experiment is basically showing how humans co-regulate and how important this is and now from such a young age our parents or caregivers have a huge impact on us feeling safe and our nervous system regulation because humans we co-regulate you know, if if I um taking a bit of a detour here, but you know, if I hop on a call and the person who I'm on the call with is really down and their body is kind of slumped, naturally I'm gonna mimic that. And maybe I'm gonna speak with a softer voice and maybe I'm gonna lean in a little bit more. But if I jump on a call and someone's like, What? Almost like we were on our last episode, right? At the start, and we were all like just bouncing. Um, we 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 feed off each other. So looping back to this experiment, it was so, so fascinating. So basically the first half of the experiment, the mum was basically interacting with the baby and it was all like big expressions, lots of hand gestures. The baby would point to something and the mum would go, oh, wow, oh, wow, so cool. Like, oh, um, and, you know, they they were regulating each other. They were both happy. They were both smiling. Then the second half of the experiment, the mum, so the mum turned around and she kind of reset and she literally turned back to face the baby and her face was still. She wasn't smiling. The face was still. And you saw this immediate shift in the baby. 
and he kind of leaned back a bit and then you know was doing everything that he was doing before to try get the mum to, to laugh or interact so he was pointing at things it's kind of like hitting the wow. high chair and was you know everything grabbing a face everything that he was doing before that was getting that happy um reaction from mum and her face was just you know frozen and the baby just started crying Wow. It's a really, it, it's called the still face experiment. It is, it's a, re, it's not a nice thing to watch. Like it's quite, it's quite a hard watch, but just seeing like this baby is like, yeah, no older than six months. So if you think, if you grew up in a house where maybe emotions weren't really accepted, mm. you know, you showed emotion, you were told off, or if you were craving some love or something and that wasn't given to you. Just, you know, day in, day out, that's going to have a huge impact on your nervous system. Mm. That is literally going to teach your body. That's going to set you up. You're going to have this disposition towards survival mode of just how, you know, this is like classic form response as well. How how can I make them happy so I'm safe? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, And we take that with us into so many relationships as well it doesn't just stay like between parent and and, and child or whatever you know you, you're going to take that into your friendships and mm-hmm. your romantic relationships and and at school with teachers and stuff um it's just it, it's it's it I find it fascinating just the extent that this goes and it, yeah, yeah it's not a case of you know I, I think sometimes we think like oh maybe I'm just a bit sensitive or maybe and it's like, no. oh, like this is actually no. this, this 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 is your body and this is where, like, if you're talking about that, it's attachment styles, right? This is where attachment totally. styles are totally. formed when we're younger. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you haven't felt, if you didn't feel safe when you were younger, that's just going to continue on for the rest of your life, right? And then you can absolutely see how then part of you is left in the past, right? Mm-hmm. There are that, a part of you that is left in that time with this undigested thought um you know undigested life event a part of you who you are now is left back there which means that you're showing up now as not your full self because mm. every time you're being re-triggered you're taking being taken back to that incredibly yeah. unsafe moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. jellyfish is contracting and staying that way that's such an inj- i'd never heard of that experiment before but i mean Whoa, that applies to so many things and you know we're going to talk about this right later on in, in the in the series about developmental trauma um mm. so yeah i mean we're definitely going to kind of touch base on some of the things we've just talked about there um i definitely feel talking about all this it's going to be really important we, we finish with you know giving people some examples of what they can use to feel safe there's an exercise i do with clients which is where I get them to close their eyes and I get them to bring the word safety into like their mind's eye. And I ask them, what does it conjure up for you? So is it a person, maybe like a parent? Is it a place, Um, you know, waterfalls, beaches? Is it maybe a song? Maybe it's a color and then as b said at the beginning of this is there actually a part of your body that feels safe as well there's there's no limit to how many safety resources you can have 
You can have as many as you like, in fact, more the merrier. But what does it conjure up for you? And how can you maybe bring different aspects of that into your day-to-day? So one of my clients was, I feel really safe on the beach, surrounded by women. I'm like, I love that. Oh, interesting. And I was like, so what, what specifically about the beach? Is it the waves, the sound of? Is it the sand beneath your toes? Is it being outside uh, when it comes to the women? Is it large groups of women, just one woman, old, young? Get specific with it because then you can start kind of bringing those details into your day to day. You know, okay, so if you love the sound of waves, you better believe Spotify has got you covered. Mm. Should, do we have to say like other podcast platforms are available at this point? I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? What is it about safety and what it comes up for you? How can you bring that into your day today? Love, yeah. love that, Rose. I think really establishing a safety resource really helps enable you to move from protection mode, like survival mode, like we've called it, into a place of connection and healing, right? So it tells your nervous system that you're safe now and there is no threat here anymore. And I think then once you start bringing a sense of safety in, it can really help allow for hope, for exploration and even for change to take place we need this right so i think i thought i'll I'll share some things that i find supportive right so again it's quite useful to make a list of these things so for me it's like being in nature Mm. um when i used to have a cat cuddling my cat um pets right we all need a fairy friend right definitely um even just like a cup of tea cup of tea um, music movement um a warm bath Mm. meditation like it can be little things like that um if you're thinking of things that are kind of outside of yourself or then it can like if you're thinking of more things that are inside yourself it's a memory it's a the thought of a person it's the thought of a place maybe explore who you feel safe around what you feel safe around when you feel safe around um and I guess this is times where you feel most kind of connected to yourself and the world around you the most present I always think about things that get like engage your senses Mm. for me that's always quite a good shout um there is a a tool that I use with my clients once they have like a safety resource quite often on the call like I can be the safety resource like I can hold yeah safety for them and we do this there's a technique called pendulation where you you help the client go from like the the safety the feeling of safe to exploring the the painful event and you bring them kind of in and out and doing this really helps to increase their capacity to be with those sensations Mm -hmm. um and that that's like the work that we do and then you know, they can actually do this at home as well, but they have to get really, really clear on what the safety resources are beforehand, right? And then you can kind of practice. Um, So yeah, and it gives you then, once you're able to build your capacity, you can then be with the survival states. You can be with the triggering trauma memories. And the more you can be with them, the more you can heal them. 
Love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I think my my top one, um, I love drawing on memories. So like my one for me personally is my grandparents' house in South Africa. I can like I can so vividly like the smell of coffee in the morning, the whole family sat there. Um always dogs around as well so that is a double whammy really you've got pets and you've got just the memory of it um the family I've even got like right on my um desk here I've got this like incense not incense what is that it's like a what diffuser are yeah diffuser this is from South Africa I'm running very low um <laughs> got that there so like I've always got um you know smells and yeah all always have that around me but I think something that I think sometimes we can almost trip ourselves up is um if we're feeling unsafe and therefore a little bit stressed I think sometimes we can try talk our way out of it we can like try and that that's that's not going to work right um you can't talk yourself into a place of safety or regulation you need to um you know if we're thinking of top down kind of you know trying to think your way out of it if you are stressed you know it's going to be so difficult to try reassure yourself or even reassure someone else if the safety alarms are going off you know if the alarms are blaring you are going to be too busy your body is going to be too busy reacting it's going to be like oh my god danger I need to run or I need to freeze or whatever um like you you just adding a thought it's gonna add it to it's, a, it's drop in the ocean mm. so I think when it comes to curating your safety toolbox something like like B touched on as well it's um it, it's getting into the body right things like breathing exercises really focusing on that exhale that's what um activates that parasympathetic that rest and digest that nice slow part of your nervous system that long exhale um things like sensory sensory stuff smell taste touch I've always got like on my lap fluffy fluffy um fluffiness fluffy blanket or my dressing gown or something again smells um can just help you feel a bit safer um exercise as well whether it's like swaying side to side shaking physically actually shaking is something I love doing and visualizing just shaking off any nervous energy or anxious energy um things like yoga as well so great for just connecting to your body um and yeah getting outside nature but I think definitely start with getting comfortable with being in your body regulate yourself with breath so powerful do you know that's just reminded me um kind of before we came on the podcast I mentioned that I've been to a physio appointment recently and just you saying that actually movement is so powerful when it comes to connecting with your body but also to help in in kind of dispersing these unsafe feelings and you know I for a very long period of time was I had sort of three big injuries all within the space of about what 14 months and like I said to you guys earlier like I could not get into my body when I was in pain right and it massively disconnects you but I also remember thinking I'm not moving as much I'm not moving the blood away from my brain and into my body I'm, I'm it's staying up in my head the whole time I'm living in my head 
And actually what movement offers is, is that kind of gateway to the body. The blood will do it for you. Actually, funny enough, you know, a big part of what I've always said as a personal trainer who does a lot of rehab work with people is blood is what heals you. So lower backs, Achilles, um, they don't get a big ton of blood flow. So any movement you bring to them encourages blood flow to it, which allows it to heal. And actually, you know, I felt so unsafe. My anxiety, oh my, I mean, I've, I've never had uh, anxious thoughts as much as I did that year because I was living in my head. I felt very unsafe. And actually, I felt unsafe in my body as well. So even sort of recently, just going to the physio, I was like reminded of being able to get back into it and feel safe again and trusting the parts of me that kind of got injured and just building that relationship back up. So funny enough, when I was in the physio room, uh, literally yesterday, I was like, right, well, I'm feeling unsafe. Why am I feeling unsafe? Oh, okay. And I, I, I called upon my safety resources then and there. It also reminds me of um, the phrase, which is if you cut yourself, as long as that cut is kept in the right environment, yes, it will heal itself. Mm-hmm. And that is the same for our inner wounds as well. Yeah, yeah. we oh. almost need to, you know, take, when you're on, on this kind of healing journey, like, you don't want there to be too much pressure, actually, on, I got to heal, I got to heal. There needs to be more in, the focus needs to be on creating an environment for the healing to happen. And I think as humans, like our bodies naturally want to purge old emotional stuff, right? So we need to kind of create this environment so that can just happen on its own. Mm -hmm. Just side note though here, like it's very normal when you start to feel more safe in your body for stuff to come up, right? So as you Mm -hmm. begin to feel more safe, you're probably going to notice that more stuff comes up. But I want you to know that your body will not bring things up that you haven't got the capacity for, right? Mm. It will only bring it up when you are ready to process it because your body's smart. Your nervous system is smart. It will keep that stuff suppressed until Mm. you feel safe enough. So when you kind of get to this place in your healing journey where stuff is coming up and it's like, it means you're ready. I feel like there's always this narrative that it's, it's 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 us against our body. I felt like that, yeah. Well, the majority of my life, right? Like the, the 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 new stuff is still relatively new compared to how long I felt that way uh, for. And I think just getting on your body's side and making friends with your body and healing mm. that. Like, is there anything? Is there any like better gift to yourself than like healing that relationship with your body and trusting it, trusting that it's trying to protect you? It's not doing anything to make you want to hate it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not your body's fault. It's not, it's not storing fat in a particular place to spite you. <laughs> no. it's, not, it's not got dimples in a particular space uh place to spite you. I think yeah just when you can make peace with your body I think that's when the safety comes right oh gave me goosebumps saying that yeah (laughs) that's powerful and I think this is really about working with your body working with your nervous system which is difficult because we spent like you say our whole life's not get get your jellyfishes on side team (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I th I'd love to end there with that, Tyra. I think that was stunning. Yeah. Next up, we're going to be starting to talk about the specific types of trauma. Um, we're going to start looking at acute trauma, developmental trauma, uh, preconscious, precognitive trauma, um, also known as womb trauma, intergenerational and collective trauma as well. All right, so you've got all of that to, to look forward to. Juicy. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Later. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope the conversation about trauma has shed some light on the shadows that so many of us carry. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Join us again in our next episode as we continue to explore the diverse facets of trauma and resilience.